something to empower the rep to be effective at the engagement. Because once a lead is qualified, you need to give them the tools to engage effectively. And CRMs aren't really good at engagement. They're great at reporting. And that's why there's this plethora of sales and outreach technology that adds to the CRM. But ultimately, I think it's a philosophical change. And here's the philosophy. I think that sales is a four-letter word. Nobody wants to sell and nobody wants to buy from a salesman. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was John Ferrara. John's the founder and CEO of Nimble, the social sales and marketing CRM for individuals and teams. And... Hey, I'll be honest. I love talking with John. John's one of the founders of, of CRM, as we know it. In fact, for the, many of us, the first exposure we had to any form of Salesforce automation was with Goldmine, a product created by John. John understands at a level that most of us don't, the value you get from being connected, which is something I talk about often on the show. And John reminds us in this conversation of his five Fs at the heart of connection, family, friends, food, fun, and fellowship. We also dig into the state of sales today. What's not working and what do we need to do to move the profession forward? And what are the core values that sellers need to possess to be effective and successful in their careers? We get into all of that and much, much more. Before we get to John, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure to be back here with you and yeah, your, uh, your fine a, audience. A third, uh, third time repeat offender, um, though it's been a while since the last time. It's been mm-hmm. four years or something like that. It didn't seem like it was that long. but Well, time flies when you're eating flies. Yeah, time flies when you're eating flies, yeah. So, yeah, we're 13, 14 months into the pandemic. How has Nimble fared during that time? Well, you know what's interesting about times of change? Opportunities are mm-hmm. created. I think that there's, um, just like we started Goldmine in the recession of the uh, late 80s. And, yeah. and so we started in 1989, and there was a recession that was happening back yep. then. And um, I think that in times of change, people seek uh, tools and techniques to help them to succeed. And what thing isn't more precious than the connections and the contacts that you've built over your lifetime? Because ultimately, they're the ones that will help you to uh, to achieve the things that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think we all struggle with managing our connections. I think that... Um, that they're critical to your success. So uh, amazing! It's been our best year ever, and um, and I and I just feel good about helping all those people during this time of change. And do you think some of that was driven by the change to work from anywhere, work from home? Uh, of course. I mean, I think that as you become more digital, that you need to uh, be able to manage your uh, your connections uh, more effectively. And, uh, and, you know, when we're all sort of remote and distance, I think it's, uh, it's harder to maintain those connections. I think as humans, we, we crave those interactions. And so I think you need to work a little bit harder in our, uh, remote world. Now, are you guys still remote? Are you planning on coming back to the office or what's happening with you? 
we're remote. Um, and uh, uh, we've been remote since February. And uh, so I, I sent my team home as soon as I saw what I saw. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was clear and plain that in February that uh, that this was going to be something significant. Right. And I didn't want to endanger any of our team. And the beautiful thing about being a SaaS company is that you already are all digital. Right. Um, so um, so I was able to have that freedom to give our team the ability to work remotely. And we're still working remotely. Uh, and I, I foresee that we will work remotely until at least until everybody's vaccinated. Right. Have you had that chance? <laughs> you know what? I have my appointment today. Oh, okay. How about Wait, you? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm old. I I got vaccinated a month or so ago. Yeah, so I'm through both shots. And, and, and which one did you get? I got Moderna. Oh, and nice. First one, nothing. Second one, uh, I was good till about five hours after the shot. Then I was like. I was just so tired and so fatigued. I just basically spent a day and a half <laughs> reading and, and watching stuff on my uh, my iPad because that's about all I was good for at that point. But uh, then I was fine after that. So good, good. Yeah, I think having that reaction, yeah, actually made you feel a little better. Like, yeah, I didn't get a placebo. I actually got the real thing. My body's reacting to it. Yeah, that, that that's a good sign, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I encourage everybody. Make sure you get vaccinated. So one of the things I want to ask you about is, is, I mean, you founded Goldmine. You're basically one of the first uh, CRM systems that are out there. So you're you know, one of the father, fathers of the industry, if you mind me saying that. That's um, right. What do you see the future of CRM being? Well, ultimately, I think that most people don't really understand what a CRM is or what it should be used for. And I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest problem with CRM. So and so us. let's 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 try to define it a little bit. Sure. Um, so a CRM is a database that you put things in and you get things out, and it should have a purpose. Um, most people use the CRM database to uh, manage the cycle of prospects and leads and turn mm-hmm. them into customers, um, and they use market automation in conjunction with that to lead qualify them and then right. hand them off to the sales reps and engage with them. But the basic nature of CRM really was founded with the Rolodex, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and then evolved into the six by nine index card methodology of recalling uh, people and following up with them. And that evolved into a day timer and that evolved into products like Goldmine and Act. So right. really CRM stands for customer relationship management and the center of that is relationships and those are about contacts. And so the heart of CRM, the birth of CRM was contact management with Goldmine and ACT, where ACT was designed to manage tasks and notes for an individual person's contacts. And Goldmine really pioneered integrating contacts for a team, not just salespeople, but everybody in the company, integrating email, contact and calendar and sales and market automation. So we sort of pioneered Outlook and Salesforce before either existed. But what happened was, we essentially were the place people lived. Goldmine was the place people lived because everybody in the company lived where the contacts were and they right. engaged and managed them through that. When Outlook was introduced, 
Outlook became the place of interaction, of engagement, and Goldmine was more of the place of management, of the flow of the leads and the reporting and the automation of the nurture marketing because there was no market automation back then. We trademarked automated processes, which enabled you to do actions based on triggers, if this and that, for people and right. companies. So you could take leads, put them on a track, nurture them. And so um, I think that Siebel and then Salesforce were mm-hmm. created because they didn't want people to be using their own personal gold mines and acts to manage the contacts. They wanted to command and control the database. And, and really that evolved into what we know of as enterprise serum today, whether you're talking right. about Dynamics or Salesforce or any of the derivatives thereof. So most serums today are designed for management and reporting as opposed to engagement and contacts. And I think that's where we got lost is that serums really aren't good at contact management or even SFA. SFA is the tool that people need to engage. And that's why when you buy a CRM like Salesforce or Dynamics, you have to go out and buy sales intelligence software like uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator or Discover.org because salespeople need to know who the leads are and what the companies are about in order to effectively engage. Then they need engagement tools, which is like Salesloft or Outreach.io or all the derivatives thereof. And ring DNA. And so basically, SFA is critical. It's like the rifle and and the map is the sales intelligence. So if you think about the analogy of a battle, the market automation system is the bomber that bombs the field that softens the ground. And then you have to put boots on the ground in order to win a war. And soldiers need maps and rifles. And so that's what sales intelligence and uh, and, uh, the outreach software is all about. Uh, and so I think that the problem is, is, is that that it's too costly and complex to build that sales technology stack for the average company. Mm-hmm. And so I think the future CRM is going to be uh, a platform that ideally works for you by building itself and works with you where you work, because the biggest cause of failure of CRM is lack of use. Right. They call it Salesforce because you have to force salespeople to use it. No, no CRM analyst that I know actually uses a CRM. They use contact managers because that's the heart of, of connecting. And so I think that the um, that the CRM fails because you have to go to it to use it. And you work for it by Googling people before you go to a meeting. And then you log that stuff in the CRM. Then you go and engage wherever you can. Right. That's email and social and phone. And then you go log that. And so I think that the CRM is a static thing that's over there that you got to basically beat people to use. I think it should be over here working right. with me like a little nudge on my shoulder telling me, this is who Andy is. This is who Ring DNA is. This is the last time you spoke. These are the people that on your team that have spoken to them. This is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's happening in their lives. So that when we do engage, I have the context and insights that I that I need to to be effective in the engagement. But most importantly, the basics, the follow up and follow through. Log in the next task. Log in the note, which is critical to the the next steps of the mm-hmm. contact. And if you don't have a next step scheduled. Then, then basically that contact is lost. Right. And people don't do it because they have to go to the serum to do it. So I think your serum should live with you everywhere you're working and work for you by giving you the information you need. So you have to Google them. Ideally, you nimble them. Right. Good plug. I like that. I mean, I, what you're describing, though, is really interesting. Is, 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 is that you started with the premise of connections and developing your network, you know, having the network effect. You said you bring these connections through your, your career, the things that people that you can do something for, they can do something for you. Together, you can be better. Yeah. 
And it sort of got replaced by a command and control infrastructure. Yes. And, yeah. and I think people have lost this notion in sales, a lot of people have, about the value of their personal network. And, and if you think about it, back in the goldmine days, every sales rep had a copy of goldmine that they used, no matter yeah. what they had to use at their office. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you should take that copy everywhere you go. And I call that your personal CRM. So I think that the rise of personal CRM is upon us, especially when LinkedIn locks your contacts in their platform and won't really let you effectively export them. Right. You can't export the emails. And if you don't have the emails for people, you can't build the connections for people. You can export their name, their title, and their company name, which is pretty much useless unless you have something intelligence that can basically index and map all that stuff. Yeah. And so your, your contacts are siloed and locked away today. I think you need to free them up and put them in something and then take them with you wherever you go because you're going to be hired based off your brand and your network. They're your net worth and right. you should be nurturing that uh, every day and taking it with you and applying it to whatever thing that you're engaging in. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm sure you've read some of Keith Ferrazzi's books. You know, he talks about that, right? The value of the network in your life. Uh, if anybody haven't read Never Eat Lunch Alone, it's a great book to, that talks about this. I love Keith's energy. Yeah. And, but I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about here is this, you know, having your personal CRM that's your yeah. personal network and contacts that's not tied to the company. I mean, certainly you can use them for your work, but yeah. they also assets that you developed. Yeah. Or if you are a company, and you're looking to empower your customer-facing business team members, not just your salespeople, but everybody in the company, then get a CRM that is really about contacts and connections and conversations, about incorporating your whole team. And this is the problem, Andy. Today, at a company, your contacts are siloed in a, a bunch of places. So mm -hmm. every company has to make a choice, G Suite or right. Google Workplace, whatever they call it these days, and uh, Microsoft 365. So that's your email productivity platform that gives you email, contacts, and calendar. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you have to basically pick sales, marketing, customer service, and accounting software, at the very least, marketing right. and accounting, right? right? And so each of those platforms has a separate contact database, including Office and, uh, and G Suite, because every single user in uh, in Google Workplace and Microsoft 365 has a separate contact database. And those mm -hmm. contacts aren't linked to the email and calendar that you're sending. So you don't have a team relationship manager in your company. That's critical. That's what people loved about Goldmine. And I think that's really mm -hmm. what's missing in today's um, uh, CRMs. Because CRM isn't used by everybody in the company because it's cost prohibitive. Plus, it's too big and complex. Right. You don't want to spend $100 per, rep, per, per person per month for everybody to have access to a contact database. You should use something like Nimble, which is a fraction of that cost and gives everybody access. will unify the contacts from all the separate siloed contact platforms, including um, Google Workplace, Microsoft 365, and the sales, marketing, customer service, and accounting apps that you use. But then it'll unify that and enrich those contacts with people and company data so that no matter who engages, they have the context and insights they need to engage and then works in those apps. So with our browser plugin, you could bring up Nimble within QuickBooks or MailChimp or whatever you're using. In fact, we have customers that use Nimble in conjunction with Salesforce and HubSpot CRM and even Dynamics CRM. So... What's the use case there? 
SFA and uh, sales intelligence okay. and team contact management. So SFA is right. you don't want to have to go out and buy LinkedIn uh, outreach IO, ring DNA or, or, or sales loft, which is $100 per rep per month or so. And then you don't want to go out and buy Discover Org or LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which is $100 per rep per month. So getting the sales intelligence and the engagement capabilities. Now, no, Nimble doesn't have the depth and breadth that dedicated packages like Ring DNA and, and Sales Loft and Outreach IO have, but most people don't need that. In fact, most sales reps don't even run their uh, outreach software. There's a sales administrator that actually sets it up and runs it. And uh, so I think it should be simpler and, uh, and and more nimble, if you will. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting about the, the space, though, is it seems like... <clears throat> It seems like there's always so many so many new entrants into the space. I mean, that's the thing that always sort of strikes me every time I, you know, talking to new people. Or when we used to go to shows, it's like there's yet another CRM offering. Is it because they're trying to address this sweet spot they're just talking about? They see the that's what they see as the opportunity. I, I really don't see many people in our space. First off, nobody has something like Nimble Prospector, which essentially yeah, I guess that's done more generally. You know, SMB CRM systems. Sure. Sure. But most of those are really more down, uh, simpler versions of Salesforce. So like Pipedrive, okay. for, exa- for example, um, Zoho, for example. Right. Uh, Zoho is a derivative of the um, what was open source software, VTiger, that was a copy of Salesforce that eventually became Sugar CRM right. and Zoho CRM. Right. And so all of these things are just copies of Siebel and Salesforce, uh, lower cost versions. And I think it's the wrong philosophy. I think that, yes, a company needs a CRM to manage leads and prospects and turn right. them into customers and report on the activities that go into those leads and prospects against the results that you get. But at the same time, and that's management reporting lead flow, Mm -hmm. you need something to empower the rep to be effective at the engagement. Because once a lead is qualified, you need to give them the tools to engage effectively. And CRMs aren't really good at engagement. They're great at reporting, but they're really poor at engagement. And that's why there's this plethora of sales uh, and outreach technology that adds to the, the CRM. But ultimately, I think it's a philosophical change. And here's mm-hmm. the philosophy. I think that sales is a four-letter word, Andy. I, I, nobody, wants to, nobody wants to sell and nobody wants to buy from a sales room. Um, but uh, I think – and I think that that mentality really happened as a result of history. And I'm going to give you the history real quick because I think it's important to understand history in order to understand the present and predict the future. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that because I, I did want to ask you about that because I think that – Quite frankly, I'm sort of tired of people pointing the fingers at salespeople. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to sort of dig into why I think that is the case, and perhaps we should be pointing the fingers in a different direction. But go ahead. Okay. So 100 years ago, uh, we all lived in a small town. You agree? Yep. yep. And, and your brand was built on the promises that you make and the experience that you deliver. And if you can align those two, you could build a gold mine. I know. I did. You did, right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, the the thing is, is that as man, manufacturing started happening in city, mass manufacturing, people moved from those small villages into the cities to get those jobs. And we started manufacturing a lot of stuff that we couldn't really consume or, or use, like brushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we hired door-to-door salespeople, full of brush men, to go knock on the doors and sell those brushes. 
Um, so we we're pushing product to customers and, and that wasn't enough to sell the brushes. So we used Mad Men marketing to drive those eyeballs into stores uh, where they could basically be sold. And, right. uh, and I think that that evolved into the 80s uh, Bagum and Tagum Enterprise Oracle sales reps who would do anything to basically get the order. And I think that social media has changed the way that we work, play, buy, and sell, has mm -hmm. changed the expectation of customers to companies and companies to customers. And, uh, and, and essentially, I think that service is the new sales, that the philosophy of I'm not here to make as much money as I can from you, but I'm here to help you grow. And if I do that, you will not only come back and buy from me, but you'll drag your friends with them. Uh, with you and uh, refer business to me. And so I think that the philosophical change is um, I'm not here to basically um, bag and tag you. I'm right. here to serve you and help you grow. And by doing so, I myself grow. I agree with that 100%. And so, but here's the, the conundrum. <clears throat> yeah. It's not like this is a new conversation, right? It's, it's, it's you know. It's relatively new over the past five or 10 years for sure. Well, but the idea of buyer-centric selling or you know, customer-centric selling, you know, people started socializing that sort of 15, 20 years ago. But it's how do we get to the point of, of making this change happen? I mean, what, ha what has to happen? I mean, because I, I, I sense, I mean, you've been at the forefront of this profession for, for decades. And, you know, there's a sense I get from all the conversations I have that, that there's this pent-up frustration among sellers, especially in the B2B space, that... Um, yeah. Yeah, and the status quo isn't working for them. And, and so something has to change. Here's, the, here's where I think we can apply some change. Right. Follow the money. H how are sales reps commissioned? They get paid on the sale. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Imagine, and, and I used to be a systems engineer. A systems engineer is the technology person that is the pre and post sales mm -hmm. assistant, if you will, right. that essentially works with the customer to help them make a buying decision by helping them implement the technology. And then once it's sold, helps that technology work and keeps them as a customer. I didn't get commission. The sales rep would basically show me $300,000 commission checks uh, on the flight home from meetings that I was part of. How'd that make me feel? I, 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 I know exactly how it made you feel. Okay. So I, I, so, so I think that if companies commissioned the team based off customer retention and success, that would change the focus of, of bagging and tagging customers and getting the sale as, a, as to uh, aligning the customer's needs mm -hmm. uh, to the company's products and making sure that those needs are, f are fulfilled and met uh, successfully over time. So commission the team, not just the individual. Which, Commission the team, not on the sale, but on the retention. Okay. On customer success. Create some measurements in there and essentially say, okay, yeah, we sold the customer, but they actually implemented the software and they're deriving some success and we've kept them for some period of time. Right. Well, it's a certainly an acknowledgement of the fact that sales is not really a solo sport. It is a team sport, certainly in the way it sounds like it, you practice it. it. And it, it is. And, 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 the, and the, the problem is the systems are designed for just the sales one. Now, we're evolving where 
sales, marketing, and support are becoming part of a cohesive whole, mm-hmm. right? Within the past five years, you've seen companies like Zendesk buy base CRM uh, and, uh, and, and marketing uh, platforms like HubSpot mm-hmm. add sales and customer support. And that's getting us to the point where there is a singular system for marketing, sales, and support. Right. And I think that's getting us towards making them more of a cohesive team. But I think you need to change some of the, maybe the philosophy and the commission uh, structure as well. And and this all really gets back to the philosophy of Nimble that it's not really, CRM shouldn't just be for salespeople, for prospects and leads. It should be a, uh, a relationship manager, a contact platform for the whole company. And the philosophy behind it, that it's really about connections and relationships over time, as opposed to a number that you basically go and close and kill. Well, interesting about connection and relationships. You know, there's a, and I get on my soapbox a little bit about this, but I mean, there's this cohort of thought leaders in sales these days that say, meh, relationships, meh, you don't need those in sales. I mean, connections, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to be likable. I mean, it's just, you know, it's all about business. Yeah, I, I don't agree because uh, um, I, I, from my experience, it's the relationships that last. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about the deal that you did together or the thing that you sold them. You talk about what I call the five F's of life, family, friend, food, fun, and fellowships. These are the mm-hmm. softer connections that maintain a connection over time. And, uh, and, and these are the things that bond in, uh, people and get you over the humps of late deliveries, pricing dispersion, right, exactly. whatever it is. And so I, I know the guys that basically say that relationships don't matter. And, you know, my recommendation is look at them. What kind of people are they? Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm a relationship guy. I always will be. And, uh, and I yeah. teach it. Well, I find the irony is that some of the people are strongest advocates for that point of view about relationships don't matter actually are quite good at it. Um, so it's, at, at sales. Yeah. I mean, they are relationship sure. people. It's just, yeah. yeah. Somebody think they need to say something new and it's, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it always helps if you're a thought leader and you, you go contrary and you jab, right? Because it, it makes you stand out. And I understand the positioning. It's, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Doesn't, so I want to follow up on something you said before about, because I think, for me, sort of an analogy I, I use is that you were talking about yeah you know, manufacturing, people migrating from rural America to the cities. I mean, at the start of World War II or even before the start, at the time of the Great Depression, you know, f- over fifty percent of the U.S.'s GDP was derived from agriculture. Think about that. You know, now it's less than five. I think. Um, so to your point, the huge transformation, sort of in the twenties, thirties, forties. I I. <laughs> I think that sales managers should look at sellers as sort of a product that they're responsible for building. And they hire these people, they train them, they coach them, they manage them. Um, if they're not acting in a way that is useful for buyers or buyers are put off by their behavior, everybody wants to point the finger at the seller, but they're just sort of doing what they were trained to do. I mean, I don't think that behavior is natural human behavior. Right, so part of the focus, I think, is or a large part of the focus that we're missing in sales these days is we're really doing nothing to enable or very little to enable frontline managers and sales leaders 
in the skills that they need to produce the sellers that can perform the way that they want. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I think that uh, it all sort of rolls off the top. The attitude, the philosophy of a company, of a team, uh, uh, and it reflects on who they engage with, whether they're selling to customers or whether they're doing business with uh, with other vendors. Uh, <laughs> I could tell you that uh, back in the day when uh, Balmer ran Microsoft, it was a different philosophy of the company. They ate their children, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and uh, and uh, and I think it hurt. It affected them as a company. And for twenty years, their stock price, I think, was twenty bucks or something like yeah. that. Like hardly moved. I the 20, had 20 some over twenty. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and Satya Nadella came in, and they weren't even a cloud company. And this wasn't that long ago. And uh, and he led from the heart. He, in fact, he wrote a book on empathy, mm-hmm. empathy to not just the customer, but if you think about it, there's a constituency around your business. There, you should be building your business like it's a sustainable garden, and you want to put in the garden the things that are going to attract the other things that helps build a self-sustaining life cycle. And so at Nimble, we connect to editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors, and prospects and customers, and their influencers as well. So that's an entire constituency. And when you connect with Nimble, you don't just connect with John Ferrar. You connect with a whole team of people Mm -hmm. that are part of that process. And we all use a central contact platform to manage those connections and relationships in the cycle. And we do it from our heart because we actually like the people that we do business with, that we connect to, people like you, Andy. And um, and so Satya leads his company from his heart with empathy towards helping his constituency grow. And because of it, Microsoft has seen tremendous growth. And I can tell you as a tight business partner with Microsoft, Microsoft, by the way, signed a global resale agreement with Nimble. They're globally selling us as a simple mm-hmm. serum for Office 365. They... Uh, they down. They basically sunsetted their Simple Serum Outlook customer manager and uh, transitioned the two hundred thousand customers to us. So we basically are sold by Microsoft uh, with Office three sixty five as a as a baby step to Dynamics for ones that grow into there. And uh, and so that's a philosophical change. Back in the old days, they they would not have done that. And so I think that that is a good example of a change in philosophy. Uh, that I think has to be taught to other companies and to other leaders, and they need to empower their team to uh, to do that. Because if a sales rep actually recommends a competing product, uh, I think there's a high possibility that that customer will recommend that company yep. and that salesperson because they serve their needs. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're not always the answer to every, every problem. And I think that that's... No. I, I think I even saw a quote from Nadella about that uh, in something he wrote is that was one of the changes in philosophy is that the sales team was no longer going in assuming that they were the answer to the problems they had because yeah. they assumed they knew what the problem was going in and they didn't even bother doing the exploration they needed to find out exactly what the scope of the problem was and what the buyer wanted to achieve. And the other thing, Andy, I, I think that this whole automation of the sales process is getting a little bit overdone. So, I don't know what your inbox looks like, but uh, every day I get these automated emails 
Oh, hey, John. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you saw my last email, but I just want to let you know that I'm right still here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here sending me this automated sequence, and yeah. uh, I really want you to actually reply to me. And imagine if they didn't, they used a more human approach and walked in my digital footprint and got to know who I am and what mm -hmm. my business was about, and then reached out with a personalized outreach that made me feel like they saw me, knew me, and had a clear value add that they wanted to present to right. me. I'll tell you what, I got an email the other day from a, from a vendor and, uh, and I replied back to it. And I, I basically told the sales rep, um, look, this sounds interesting, connect me with your CEO. I got an email back in, uh, in, a, uh, in an hour mm. and he said, here's my CEO's uh, email and, uh, and we booked a meeting. And I had that call yesterday, and we basically are starting a biz dev relationship together. And uh, and that's the power of clarity in communication. Or what did he or she say to you that, that caught your attention? They they essentially said that we see that you are building a, a reseller channel and that uh, we have a platform that uh, empowers people to manage their reseller channel mm -hmm. at scale. And uh, and we'd love to uh, connect to learn more about your channel and see if there's a way we could work together to make it grow. And uh, and so uh, so that was a personalized outreach. And, and it wasn't, you know, absolutely personal. Like they didn't go into my Facebook and say, I saw you go to Spain last week and isn't Spain great. Uh, I think that might be In a little case, bit. In your case, it would have been your barbecue. <laughs> what you're grilling. If he was on your Facebook, yeah. John, that. Those steaks look great, or ribs, or whatever. I mean, I, that's why I know John through Facebook is your. You knew me through my meat. <laughs> but but that's the five F's of life, Andy: family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. These are the yeah. things that connect us, that maintain those connections over over time. Like uh, Brent Leary. Right. Brent Leary and I are old friends. He's a serum thought leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, but we connect on the things that we dig, like the Rams. The Rams. Yeah. Football. You yeah. know, they got the new stadium opening this year, right? They do. I don't know if there'll be actually people in it, although I'm buying Dodger tickets today. It's opening day. You're going to go to opening day? No, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to some game. I want to see the uh, San Diego. The Padres against the Padres, Dodgers. I think Dodgers. those are two, two of the best teams in baseball, and it'll be it'll be, it's gonna be fun watching them go at it together. Yeah, I uh, actually was the last game I saw was Dodgers Padres down Petco Park, uh, 2019 season. But uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always a crazy crowd full of uh, Dodger fans. So, oh uh, yeah, Padres could be good this year. Not getting off the path, but uh, yeah, they've been investing money to try to compete with the Dodgers. So yeah, it's impressive. Okay. We'll see. Well, John, let's leave it at that. That was good. Um, All right. If people want to connect with you, what's well? Actually, I had one more question before I because I want to follow up on that last thing. So, <laughs> did that of the outreach that comes into you mm -hmm. that you're paying attention? What's what's sort of the percentage between for you between LinkedIn and your email? Because in the last year, I'm probably every day probably. 40% of my inbound messages are LinkedIn. Yeah. So can you read this number here of the unread emails? <laughs> Tell the audience exactly what that number is. It's uh, my unread emails are 520,825. 
So, um, so if you try to reach out to me on email, that's going to be hard. Yeah. Um, so I think that these two questions that you just asked blend together Mm -hmm. because you asked me, how can people get a hold of me? And they asked about, uh, how, what, what do I see and Mm -hmm. respond to versus LinkedIn and, and email? And, and I'd say that, uh, you know, LinkedIn is a place where people kind of reach out to me to sell me stuff uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times. Right. Uh, me too. More so th- now than ever. Um, and uh, and I think that your brand and your network are your net worth and that you need to uh, stand out. So Google yourself today. Do you show up on the first page? If you don't, you need to. Here's a simple way to do so. Go build a Wikipedia page on yourself. It's free. It's easy. Hmm. But to make it work, you need to cite external citations that uh, that basically support whatever you say about yourself mm-hmm. and your company. Put a nice avatar picture in there. Go and create an identity in all the places where your prospects, your customers, and their influencers as well have conversations in and around the areas of expertise of your products and services and your passions in life. Because all of these are ways that people will see you. And if you're not being seen, if you're not top of mind, if you haven't become a trusted advisor to your prospect customers and their influencers, then you're going to be out of sight and out of sight is out of mind and out of mind is out of money, honey according to Mae West. And so how do you stay top of mind today is you give your knowledge away. Right. You've forgotten more about your products and services and your customers will ever know in your life. And if you can't write posts, then curate. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to connect with other influencers as well. And so if you want to get a hold of me, Google me, John, J-O-N, Ferrara, F-E-R-R-A-R-A, and connect with me on whatever channel is most comfortable for you. And if you can't figure that out, my email is jon at nimble.com. Come at me. (laughs) Come on. Tell me what's going on in your life and how uh, I might be able to blow some wind in your sails. Because one of the things that I've derived uh, for my purpose in life is I'm on this planet to grow my soul. And I do that best by helping other people grow theirs. And that's why I built Goldmine. That's why I build Nimble, because I'm here to power you in your dreams. And I think the best way to do that is by helping you build the connections that you need to help you uh, get to where you want to go in life. Perfect. Love it. John, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Always great to uh, connect with you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my friend John Ferrara for sharing his wisdom with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.